You're listening to the Coach's Journey Podcast. Exposing the struggles and celebrating the successes in the life of coaches who are action takers and creating authentic impact in today's world. Whether you're just starting out, expanding your reach, or exploding your impact, you're in the right place right now. Stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Now, here are your hosts of the Coach's Journey Podcast. What's up, Coaches Nation? It's Dr. Sherry for another episode of the Coach's Journey Podcast with my amazing co-host, Faisal and Sam. Hit me out of, I was going to say California. That is so not true. I was thinking CA. I wish I was in California right now. (laughs) Out of Canada. So we are an international podcast, which is so cool. We've got two, two, typically at least two of our hosts are in a different, different country. And we love being able to serve coaches all over the world. And today, how we're going to serve you is we're going to have a conversation about how your, who you think your ideal client is and who you're trying to serve right now actually probably is a little bit off, if not way off. And it might actually be part of the reason you're stuck in your business right now at whatever level you're at. So there's a three-part framework we're going to share with you around how to think about your ideal client. And we're going to share a little bit about our own coaching journeys and the coaching journey of, of, of the Coaching Mastery community, which is the sponsor for this podcast, and how in all of these ways, we have had to pivot and rethink and refine our ideal clients for this exact framework. So this is going to be good. And I can't wait to hear the stories that you guys provide us around how this framework, implementing it has actually changed your business. And that was strategic timing when I paused to let Faisal talk and he was taking a sip of coffee or his tea. (laughs) That was a strategic sip of coffee as as well. So am I going into the frame? Yeah, go for it. So yeah, start with our first, the kind of the first of the three pieces of the framework. Okay. And you want to wait till the last one, because that's the one that most coaches don't understand very well. The yes. first one, they have a good view of it, It's but there are gaps in sometimes when coaches are trying to approach clients. So the first one is need, they, your clients, ideal clients need what you have to offer. So they have a need for the coaching. And, and Rich Litvin and actually Steve Chandler talks about it. He actually puts it in a different way. He's like, nobody needs coaching. They want coaching. But in, in this frame, what we're talking about is that do your clients actually have a challenge that can be resolved or a problem that can be resolved with coaching that they are willing to invest in? And maybe, Sherry, you can talk a little bit about that in your experience, and then we'll go into it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one framework within this framework that I think is really helpful is the Maslow's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And this is something that I learned very clearly through my training as a psychologist. And if you've never seen it before, Google it, Maslow, hierarchy of needs. Basically what it says is that we as humanity are at a certain level in our life. And it's not a judgmental, like you're better than me. It's just, we all exist. me, we all exist in a, a certain context of life. And so it's it's a triangle. At the bottom is everybody's need to have air, to have water, to have like the absolute essentials in life. And as you move up the, the different levels in the triangle, 
you, once you've kind of achieved, okay, I've got, you know, I've got the basics of actually just living, then you move up and then you've got love and belonging. And then at the top, you've got, you've got a kind of self-actualization is his term for it. So if somebody is just trying to survive, and let's use an extreme example, if somebody's homeless and they don't even know where they're getting their next meal, they probably don't need your coaching. They probably need something more, more basic in their life skills. So I, I, that's, a, that's a rudimentary example, but think about it like that, that what you have to offer, what your, you know, your niche is, what the specific deliverables that you have as a coach do they actually match what the people that you're trying to work with need? There may be something much more basic or maybe something even broader that they need first. So that would be kind of a, a one example of how to think about that. Yeah, I, I love that you brought up the Maslow's hierarchy of need. And, and it's interesting when Abraham Maslow was trying to figure this out, he was actually trying to figure out why is it that the the resource the resources in the US and in America was increasing, but the happiness was not increasing along with it. What was what was happening? And that slowly started becoming that model as you worked on it. There's actually another level after yeah, the um, what was the term that we used? Self-actualization. Um, self after self-actualization, there's ascension. Ascension is around the spiritual world, is mm. what a lot of religious people try to the enlightenment, all that stuff. It goes at another, but and and the the thing to point out is and and specifically for coaches, this is what I see. Most coaches who are starting out, and these are like these are traits to understand. People who are attracted to go towards coaching you as a coach, you you tend to be people oriented. You want to help people. You tend to be much more empathetic. You tend to see people's challenges much probably much more so than others. You might notice things. You're very likely to notice things that most other people will miss. That's why you're attracted towards feels like psychology, feels like human resources or coaching and these kind of things. And you would fit in in a lot of these fields quite a, uh, well. Here's what ends up happening. When coaches jump in, they will go and try to help everybody. <laughs> and the problem with that is, and, and I was actually explaining this with, uh, to one of our clients today, I had an assessment call with is that there, I look at it and uh, like, I have a framework around this for myself. I look at this, is how I pre-qualify my clients in the beginning when I started off starting off and this is not a this is how I'm gonna share that this is not a judgment because I did the same exact thing <laughs> here's what I did every person that I felt was in pain that was my cue to go help them <laughs> it's a bad it was a bad cue and what ended up happening I would spend a huge amount of time resource energy trying to help people first of all who didn't even want my help to begin with so that's my first part of the framework is that about 90% of the people, I'm making up the terms of a huge majority of the people, they they don't need your help. They're just sharing because they're venting. They're in pain to some degree, but they don't want to solve it. You, We know this in, in normal day-to-day -day life where like somebody's complaining, but if you really push them to solve the thing, they won't. And then on the other side of it, the person who's trying to like think about your interactions Somebody will give somebody advice and they won't do anything with it. And they will keep bringing up the topic. And the person who's giving advice, they get frustrated. And they're like, why does this person keep bringing up? They're just venting. They don't want to solve the goddamn problem. You, you want them to solve it, but they don't want to. So I assume that most people, when they're sharing, they're just sharing for the sake of venting, for the sake of releasing energy that's trapped in there. Yeah, I love and, that. And, yeah. and let me just share one quick 
quip that, that you can remember. If you want the change for your client more than they do, they're probably not your ideal client. I love that. Yeah, they need to want it much more than you probably even do for them. And then, so that's the first, like most people, I assume that they don't want to solve it. But so what, what do I look for? And this is where you can pre-qualify clients, ask them some questions. You can actually explicitly ask people if somebody's really pushing is like, hey, how important is it for you to solve this thing? Uh, on a scale of one to 10, how important is it? Get them to rate it. Uh, if you didn't solve it, what would happen? Like these are coaching questions, but they're also sort of pre-qualifying questions. And I also look for this other thing. Now, out of the 90%, out of the 10% that who want help, probably a good majority of, majority of them need therapy. They probably don't need coaching because they're stuck in some kind of trauma, some kind of emotional issue, and they probably want to hash out a bunch of stuff from the past. And you might not even be the right person. And this is what I see with most coaches starting out. They're either trying to help everybody or they're trying to help people who are stuck in, in their own head. They're not even thinking about self-actualization or growth. They're just stuck in their own emotions and thoughts. And we've all been there. If you're a coach, it was at this point, you've worked through all this stuff. And this is what happens with coaches. You forget your journey. Yes. There was a time where you would not have gone towards coaching. Oh, yeah. And let me let me use an example of where maybe what they they could benefit from is what you have to offer, but they're not there yet. And I saw that a lot when I did a ton of work with marriage therapy. And so I'd have a couple come in, they'd be bickering, they you know, they would be on the brink of divorce. And through my through kind of meeting with them, I realized like they both have a history and trauma cap, you know, capital T trauma or, or small T trauma, you know, if you've ever heard that, those terms, they had a bunch of stuff. And so each one of them was being personally triggered by the other person. And now I, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I guess, let me just say at my skill set, like I, like there was no way that I could get them to not trigger each other. What was necessary first was them to do their own individual work so that they could be in a position of vulnerability with each other and not be so reactive with each other and then work on the marital challenges and dynamics. So sometimes there needed to be individual work before the marriage work. And so, so that would be an example from my past and experience where what I had to offer could be valuable, but not yet. Yeah, we're also kind of going into a contradictory or, or an area of coaching that might be more towards. So we're talking about coaching that's more life coaching, mindset coaching, high performance coaching. But there are coaching models that are more therapy, therapeutic in nature. They're trauma informed coaching models and they're out there. They're they're working. In fact, I have a project working with this community. I've hired four coaches that are trauma informed coaches. And I'm looking at the numbers right now on my screen. So we we have about, eight, and here's the difference. Uh, there are about five, uh, there's also a high-performance coach that I've hired there. Five uh, sessions booked the whole month on the high-performance side in this community. 81 trauma-informed calls booked, 81. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much therapy. But the key that we're sharing is that you need to, you're spending, wasting probably 90% of your energy trying to go after clients that might, that don't need your help. They need a different kind of help. They're not right, ready yet. And you need to get, you will get better and better at this as you work with the right people. But 
this is a good time to start thinking about, okay, are the people that I'm trying to approach, are they, do they even want help, need help? And if they need help, do they want my kind of support or do they need it? And in fact, that makes you a better business owner to, if you see that somebody really needs help, but it's not your kind of program, you refer them to a therapist or a psychologist or somebody else or, or give them direction at least, they might actually refer you to the right people because that make, gives you integrity as a business owner that you can't help everybody. So that that's the first piece. Like I won't go too deep into it, but that's the first piece. Uh, anything else you want to add there? No, I think that's, I think it's a wrap on that one. And awesome. so this, so the first one, just as a recap, was that they need what you have to offer right now. The second step of the framework then is do they recognize that need? And this is something that I, I see in my, as I've kind of grown in my coaching journey, that I have not always paid attention to. Because if I feel like, oh my gosh, they need this. And maybe, maybe that actually is something that they could really take. But, but if they don't see it, and it's kind of like what you said, Faisal, on a scale of 110, how much do you actually care about changing this thing? If it's low, they don't recognize the value and the impact of resolving whatever it is that they haven't resolved yet or, or the growth that they haven't had yet. They don't recognize that. Now, the trap that I have fell into is in my strategy sessions with them, trying to convince them, you know, trying to do magical conversation to help them, you know, to convince them that, no, you need to, you really need to focus on this. Now, I'm not saying that doing that is wrong or bad, because I do think as a coach, like, I see that as falling maybe more into the educational realm of like, why does this matter? What's the impact of that? And, and, and so what I've done is I think I've gone towards doing more videos on these types of things. But if I am, if I am trying to, and if I spend a lot of my time, a lot of my, my sales marketing efforts, attracting people that still need convincing, my business is not going to grow very fast. It's going to grow very slowly. And I'm going to get very frustrated because I'm going to start to doubt myself and my abilities because part of what I need to do is, is convince people of my, my belief, my perspective on their life. So what if, what if you found the people that actually already agreed with you and your perspective on health and growth and you didn't have to work on convincing them? Like that's what we're proposing. I, I love that. And this is where you, when you understand businesses that it, business is very straightforward somebody's i mean think of it from it like we understand like coaching is a very vague world like it's a virtual world we're sitting in our room or in our home office or somewhere trying to do this but i i like picturing this imagine you had a store like a convenience store or like a laundromat or whatever you're not going out there and trying to convince every person come in here <laughs> in fact that would be a huge waste of time you're putting a billboard that clearly shows that these are the things that we have and these are this is the service that we provide. You do have marketing material that goes out, let people know, but you've already pre-qualified them. They're, when they walk into the store, they're looking for something. They already recognize that they need, they need something that you might have. And there are times that they might not find that, but they already, now you're just 
being a good business owner and giving good customer service, supporting them while helping them recognize. Now, in the coaching world, that's a little bit difficult because one, there is no storefront. <laughs> Nobody knows the storefront exists. Two, they don't even recognize what your services are until they've been in that world. They understand it to some degree. And how would they understand it? Well, going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, from a psychographic perspective, I think they need no. You shouldn't be working with any client who is not in the journey of self-actualization. Like, that doesn't mean that they've dealt with all the baseline needs in the bottom, because we all can kind of move up and down within that hierarchy. It's not clear cut, but they're at a point where they're trying to grow. This is why I like working with leaders, because leaders tend to have a very high urgency in in serving the people around them, because they've they've kind of figured out some of their own challenges. They tend to be people who take care of others. They tend to be people who are taking care of a family or, or a community or an organization or something like that. So they recognize the need for them to grow, to self-actualize. And so they see a need for it. They recognize it. And leaders can be a lot of capacities. It could be parents. It could be uh, organization leaders, community leaders. Uh, it could be people in high-level positions and professionals. So, but they need to already understand that this, this is a thing. And, and in my practice, for example, almost all the clients that come to me, especially through referrals, they already know that they they need, they've heard of something like coaching, that could help them with some specific challenges and ways that they want to grow. They don't quite know what coaching is. They have gone some kind of mentoring or something. And this is why I walk them through my process. Then when that when I walk them through it, they clearly see, oh, this is what I've been looking for. I just didn't know this existed in this form because it doesn't exist out in the world. It's yeah. not a fully developed. Uh, um, like for example, if somebody needed, like if they, they had a challenge, and their personal life around their trauma or big T trauma or small T trauma. I think we're, especially in the Western world, people are much more, a little bit too aware of mental health, to be honest. <laughs> On the other extreme, everything becomes about that. So they know to go to a therapist. In fact, this is becoming a conversation in pretty much every family that I go to. Have, do you have somebody that's helping you with that? Or in about 10 years ago, this was not a recognized conversation in, in my family. But now people are like, have you talked? It's becoming a com common thing. And in different circles I go to, people have gone therapy. People have gone some kind of support. So yeah. they're, But they don't know what the hell coaching is. It's no, they don't. Companies had, haven't tapped into this yet. <laughs> I've had a couple conversations just this week with uh, potential clients. And they have said to me, yeah, I probably need therapy you know, and I, I mean, and I know both sides and I'm thinking, no, actually that's not that they couldn't benefit from them and they could potentially give them what they need, but it's probably overkill. It's probably going to be focused in a direction that's not actually going to fully help them move forward. And so there, I a hundred percent agree that everybody kind of is the go-to right now is therapy, which I am glad that there's this that we're shifting out of kind of that mental health stigma that yeah. there's a recognition that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to, to go to therapy. It's okay to do these things. That I think is amazing. But just as any pendulum swings, I think we were way hitting the other end. And if we can kind of modulate that, and I think that's where coaching comes in, is not everybody needs a therapist. Um, <clears throat> but I do think everybody needs growth. And so the question is, where can they find that best growth? And 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 if they have that mindset already that they are on that they want more growth, that's a good indicator that that might be at least it fits one of your ideal client kind of check marks. 
Yeah, and, and also this is also good to think about now from an industry perspective that organizations are starting to recognize coaching as a legitimate form of support. So organizations are either hiring in like in-house coaches. Sometimes they don't even call it. I work with a high-end client. He has a person, he has a right-hand man. He actually serves as a coach, but he didn't he doesn't call it that. He's not even a coach. But when I when when he asked me to start working with him because he was his right-hand man, uh, he's a business owner, has multiple business, and he was taking care of a lot of his stuff. He's more of an advisor now. So when I started working with him and I was, and he didn't quite know what his role was. He was, he was doing a bunch of stuff. But when I actually looked at it, I was like, what does he do on a day-to-day -day basis? Because this company is out in the UK and he's always in conversation with their executive team and all that stuff. Guess what he does? He actually coaches them most of the time. He actually helps them in, mediate some of the relationship challenges. He, had, he doesn't call it that. But he already has somebody in-house that takes care of a lot of that stuff. But now there are organizations that are even bringing life coaches or high-performance coaches. It's becoming more recognized, and that's a good indicator for the industry itself. Because I mean, the world of psychology was in the same boat, boat a few decades ago. Nobody recognized what the hell. Like It wasn't even recognized as a science. Now it's, it was more of a branch of philosophy in the beginning, and then it keeps going back and forth between philosophy and science. But it's somewhere in the middle <laughs> Oh, you're muted, Jake. You're still muted. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to jump into the third one here in a minute, but I want to hang out just a little bit longer on the second uh, point of the framework. And I want to share with you the journey of Coaching Mastery Community, again, who is the sponsor of this. We go through and have gone through the journey of who is our ideal client? How are we going to best serve? What does that look like? just like any coach, because we are coaches and we're here to serve our clients. Our just clients is a membership community of other coaches. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's like the meta of coaching, right? It's like coaching of coaching. And, and so we've gone through some, some journeys and would love to share just a little bit as another frame of reference or another example of how to think about what you have to offer. And does it actually match what your potential client recognizes they need. So if I saw there's been a couple conversations you've had relatively recent past, can you just kind of unpack a couple of the things that you've noticed that we have done well or not well as a community and kind of honing in on who we can best serve? Yeah. And, and, and keep in mind, so when we, and we're both sharing out both leaders of this community and, and when, when the, our community came into being, it was more of a volunteer effort in the beginning. We've been in the, in this world for a good five plus years at this point, which means that we, we started this out with a group of peers who were coaches and we recognized the need for a community to stay, give each other feedback on our process coaching process, skill sets, and other things. Slowly, it became about the business side too. And about a couple of years ago, this we transitioned that community into a business, not because we actually wanted to. It was actually that we were willing to move forward because there was so much effort required uh, to do this. And the community voted to, like, why don't you turn this into a membership? And so we, we started with the original members who just wanted feedback for their process. And we've been trying to figure out who are the ideal clients for a, from a business model point of view. And that's been a huge journey for us. And now fast forward, I won't go into all the details of it, but fast forward, we're actually recognizing two different types of clients that we have right now. One is an ideal set. The other one is not. 
and it, it's not a judgment towards our clients. It's just that what, what we offer might not be the need for them at this time. So the one set of clients where these are coaches who have jumped in and recognized that they want to be coaches, but they, they're not quite serious enough to invest in it from, from a career point of view or a vocation point of view that this is going to be a long-term thing. I'm going to do this. Uh, and 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 I partly blame this on the marketer marketing world that they're given a lot of promises that hey if you get a few clients you're gonna make a six figure income or a seven figure income, but they don't they omit the fact that you need to build skill sets you need to build your any field whether you're becoming a doctor engineer or or a plumber you need to spend a bit of time uh, working on your craft. And on top of that, you're building a business because the industry is not built. You can't just go find a job in it. You can to some degree, but for the most part, you need to build your own practice, whether it's a solopreneur or a full business. So when coaches jump in, they get they jump in with the illusion that they're going to find a client in 10 days or in, in a month or something like that. But there's a huge learning curve they are going through. So a lot of them are not ready to fully invest because they don't actually understand what it takes. It takes months and years of dedication to make this work. Now, of course, our community and programs like ours will support you and accelerate your path. But if you don't have that and that mindset to invest on a vocation, on a path, long-term path, you're just going to like, I'm just going to go get a few clients myself. And this is the mindset that we hear. They're not our ideal clients because they think what they're doing is just finding clients here and there and working with them and they can charge them at a higher ticket price without having to work on their own craft, without understanding business and any of that stuff. And those are, we're recognizing now they're not ideal clients. Why? Because we're having to convince them a lot of times that you need this. Yeah. And a lot of our energy goes towards that. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's like likening it to, let's say, losing weight, you know, that I'm going to have a hard time convincing somebody that, XYZ is going to help them lose weight unless they've tried other things and realized that that wasn't sufficient or it didn't work. And so, so it's, it's like a hundred percent what, what Faisal is saying is, are you, because we've noticed this, that we have spent an enormous amount of time and energy educating and trying to convince, trying to help people understand and the education isn't wrong or bad again, like that's something that I know we will continue to do because we're passionate about it. We want uh, people at the very beginning stages as they're trying to figure out, am I going to just dabble in coaching? Is this just a side thing that I want to do because, because I'm good at it or because people tend to talk to me a lot. And so maybe I'll try my hand in this. That's different than people that are like, this is my life's work right now. I have done my career and now I'm going to spend the rest of my life with all the wisdom and experience I have. I'm going to really have a strong impact in other people, those are two very different places in the journey of coaching. And so while we can still provide value to the one, how, what, you know, our, our value, our ability to impact the world is going to be best served right now with the people that like are recognized, like, I want to hit the ground running. Like this is my life's work right now. And so when you think about your own potential clients and who you're serving, are you spending a lot of time and energy and getting drained by trying to convince them of something related to what you do? Or are you finding the people that are already raising their hand and they're like, I need something. And then you just happen to come along and they're like, yes, that's what I've been looking for. 
that's the kind of synergy and energy that we believe really helps propel the coaching. That's part of your ideal client. They're looking for something. They just didn't know that you existed quite yet, or they just haven't, you know, that match hasn't quite happened yet. Yeah. And, and, and that's the other set of clients that we have is where the quality of it is so different that we feel it. We feel the energy. It's tangible. When we get on a sales call or a conversation, we get connected to them. They're already looking for, in fact, we have to stop ourselves from off, <laughs> offering the program too fast because they want to know, like, what do I have to do to join this community? Because this is what I need to move forward. And that's it changes things because here's what ends up happening. They're excited to join our program. We're excited to support them. There's a synergy and energy that comes in. They jump in. They start already start doing the work. There's very much, very little resistance in the process. And then on top of that, they start to get their results much faster. And same thing will happen with you. When you get the right coaching clients, you will see results much faster in them. And that starts, which means you're getting better testimonials, better referrals, and that starts to exponentially grow your business. And by the way, that's how you want your business to grow ideally. And this is really hard for human beings to understand. Once you get a good number of clients, let's say 20 or so clients you got that are really good clients, it starts to exponentially grow because you start to get a lot more referrals. Now, for example, a majority of my business runs on referrals. And this has been for the past nine years. Uh, well, let's put it seven years. First two years, I was struggling. Seven years, it's it's been mostly referrals. Why? Because I've gotten the started getting the right clients and they're starting to refer the right clients. I'm getting the right testimonials, right case studies. It's helping my confidence. It's, I'm getting results faster. It starts to snowball into something. But if you're stuck in that area, which we're working through a lot of times in, in CMC as well, in Coaching Mastery Community. But when you start to see the differentiation, you naturally don't want to work with clients who don't want to be supported in that area. You're not going to spend a lot of your energy trying to convince people. You're going to just naturally move towards uh, people who want to be in this. And from a natural perspective, you can think of it, you're flowing with the river or against the current. And usually if they don't recognize that they have that need, you're going against the current. I love that. So one, one last thought on that, for me anyway, maybe we can shift to that third one that so many of us miss or have missed. And so my, as you were talking about working with people that don't, maybe don't, or that we're trying to attract the people that end up not wanting our, our help, it reminded me, I'm going to use an extreme example, it reminded me of when I worked in addictions counseling. And somebody who's an addict intellectually knows that they want a different life, but they're, they're stuck in their addictions and they're just, and they're, they're not, they're not helping themselves. Some, you know, it's, it's amazing the people that end up being able to, to cross that gap. But I just want you to think about that when you're thinking about your clients, like, are you wanting their sobriety more than they do? Are, you know, are, are they, they might intellectually be like, yeah, being sober is probably a better thing, but they're not doing anything to change. They still have the mindset of, you know, this is what I'm going to do. So if you could put it in that extreme context, who are the people you're trying to grasp? Which which boat do they fall into? Yeah, and another way of putting the same thing, I actually learned this uh, from Rich Litter and I started thinking about it is that a lot of times coaches think that they should be inspiring to their clients. Actually, the opposite is better uh, approach is that you want to find clients that inspire you. 
which means that they're actually doing a lot of things that makes you question why are you do not doing some of the things that you're doing and and i love that because when i hear some of the things my clients are doing it inspires me to be better actually want to be around those kind of people in groups and individuals and you will grow with them and i actually actively tell my clients this like you have no idea how much i'm growing with you in fact, I make a joke. I'm like, yeah, whenever I'm taking it, like once a year, I'll take them out for lunch, dinner, whatever. And then uh, like sometimes I'd be like, oh, you didn't have to pay for this. I'm like, don't worry. You have no idea how much I've been charging you and I'm getting the money. <laughs> but you want to find the right clients. I, I promise you, it, it makes the process much more enjoyable for you and your serve and the clients much more. Yeah, awesome. Okay, recap. For us, step one of the framework is the clients need what you have to offer. And then the second piece is they actually recognize that they need what you have to offer. The third piece, I think, is something where we definitely hit our heads over, you know, feels like we're hitting our head on a brick wall. And I totally have been in this boat multiple times and probably still, well, I know I still am. And do those potential clients, do your ideal clients actually have the resources to, to jump into what you have to offer. And I, this is all, I think this can be a hard one to talk about because now we're talking money. And anytime we talk about money, there's an incredible amount of personal beliefs and judgment or perceptions of judgment that come into this. And we're, we're, not, we're not making a judgment that somebody that has less money is better or worse than somebody that has more money. And sometimes it's not even about money. Resources can be about, do they have relationships that can help support them in, in the journey or, or, or maybe somebody that can loan them money or whatever. But I mean, if you're trying to sell a $10,000 program to a college student that's living on loans and is going to come out with a really hefty, <laughs> hefty loan that they have to pay off and they have no job right now. Like, does that make sense? Is that really an ideal client? So that's, that's the frame that we want to finish Todd, this conversation off on. Uh, this, I hear so many loud objections here and so many emotions being thrown off. Uh -huh. it connects, connects back to the first point as well. So again, most coaches want to help people. Like I want to help people. Like I, I, when I when I meet somebody in pain, like my first instinct is usually, how can I help this person? The difference now versus then is that I recognize those pieces of not everybody wants to be helped, not everybody's in a space to be helped. Uh, I will give them, and this is something my wife jokes around a lot in my family is when I'm usually asking a question or I'm sharing something, and I won't, I won't like I'll just share something, let them think about it. And my wife was like, oh, he's sowing seeds. <laughs> I just put in the seeds when they're ready, they will come. And and it has happened even in my own families. Like people have come like, can can we work on this? And can can I can you help me with this? Or can you connect me with the right person? Because they recognize that, oh, okay, it, there's something that needs. So here's the loud objections that I hear around that is that it, it kind of becomes an ethical dilemma for coaches as well that, okay, well, I want to help people. And, and then this is where their big challenge with money is because they've been there or they are there themselves right now. I, I I come from a world where we didn't have a lot of money. I want I don't want to live in a world where uh, when people start to make money, they don't care about the people who are not there. Like I, That's not my idea. Of course, we all want to think about all of the world in that sense. Now, 
keep in mind that you have limited resources. You have limited time, limited resources, limited attention. You need to recognize as a human being, where is it going to go to? And that's in the beginning, my thought was, I want to help everybody. But as you understand how life works, you start to to think about, okay, what's based on my skill set, my resources, my time, my attention, who can I help, help the most? And I need to make some decision around the decision that I made was twofold. One was, okay, I do want to help a lot of people, but what are my values around your personal values are going to come into this. And then there's the practical business side of things. And I'll, I'll give a couple of case studies and maybe you can amplify on that from an investor point of view too. Or business point of view. There are two case studies. One, think of, I'll share the famous ones. One, Tesla. Think of when Tesla came into the picture. Um, at the time when they came in, renewable energy or electric cars weren't a big thing. So how did they survive as a company? It was a long journey where they've gone up and down. But the way they survived was that they started selling these sports cars to very rich people. That's how they survived. Their bigger mission was always to help a lot of people. Uh, in this realm, they, to make it ma to mass produce electric cars. Now we see the outcome of it now after a lot of, in fact, the Elon Musk almost went bankrupt keeping uh, Tesla alive. But um, they had to do that to keep the company alive. So the mission is alive so they can move forward towards that. Now I'll give you something, another case study that's closer to coaches. If you've heard of Mindvalley, Mindvalley is an organization that serves people. For, they, they have programs, coaching programs, personal development. Most Many coaches know about this. And I work with this ex-CEO of Mindvalley right now. He's my business coach. And he's shared this multiple times where originally when they started, they only had a select set of clients. They needed, They were struggling in the beginning as a company. They, they needed to find the right niche to focus on, and they did. And for a while, they were focused on high-end clients. Now they're at a position, they have the resources. In fact, they're, they're working on programs where they're bringing coaching to places like India and other places in their own currency, not in U.S. currency. But And he said it verbatim in, in a conference that I was in. He's like, the reason why we can do this is because we can afford to do this. You can't afford to work with everybody as a coach. So for me personally, what that means is that, and I'll share case study, I started thinking like, okay, who are the leaders who have the urgency to want to move forward that it's less of a challenge for me to work with them and they will go out there and help other people. And so far in the past few years, I've been able to help people who have created schools in Africa, who have helped the whole community, have created therapy programs, coaching programs. They have run organizations, started organizations. They've introduced coaching and therapy to their own communities and families. I could have never been able to help each one of those had I not worked with the, and I learned that from Rich Litvin. Rich Litvin went in that journey too. He's like, I want to work with leaders who are ready to move forward. And usually leaders are self-actualized. I think that's, a, and, and leaders can be very diversified. They can be in different phases. So I had to make sense of it in terms of my own values, but your clients need to have the motivation, the resources, the intention to want to grow in that way. If you don't, you're running against the current. You're going against the current. You're going to struggle. You will get frustrated. And what will die in the process is the mission. And the mission is always to serve people. So here's two examples from my life where I have been able to serve and been able to charge what I needed to at the same time. So when I had my mental health practice for about 10 years, it was called Mind Spa. Love the name still. It took me a long time to nail that one down, but I'm like, I love it. So in Mindspa, we had, we build insurance, we had private pay, we did all of that. 
But we always had people in our community coming who we had heart to serve and they couldn't afford it. So I created a pro bono sliding scale uh, component to our business. And we had a, a cap on how many clients would be receiving free or significantly reduced care, just like anybody else. They would receive the full mental health care, but it was based on their income and ability to pay. And, and we had uh, metrics to, to be able to track what that was and, and that sort of thing. So we didn't do that to everybody. And that wasn't our entire business model because if it was, I never would have been able to hire therapists because they wouldn't have ever gotten paid. And so we served everybody. <laughs> we served a typical client like normal, but we had this separate program we were able to funnel people through. And I've, you know, we helped dozens of people and families at zero, zero cost. And as a business, I still paid the therapist, even though we didn't get paid because I wanted to make sure that the therapist didn't necessarily, you know, if, if they wanted to take somebody free, that was their call, but I didn't want to force them into. So, so that's one example of how <clears throat> I've been able to serve as a business people that can't afford it. I think about it, my, my lens around this is around tithing, which is very consistent with kind of my religious beliefs. And we can tithe money, we can also tithe time. And so one way that I have tithed time is I took an entire month out of mostly out of my business and out of my husband's business last year. And we spent devoting our time and energy to a nonprofit organization in Kenya, Africa. And so again, I am, I am getting fair amount of money for my clients, but I take a break and I donate my time as well to be able to serve people that, you know, would never be able to afford it. And so some of the work I did there was business related. There was a little bit of kind of mindset coaching, but it, you know, again, it's like, it's not, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. And what I encourage you to do as you're thinking about your own coaching business is how can you actually be intentional about giving back, about tithing, about charity, about working with those people that maybe you have a heart and passion for, but that doesn't make sense financially. Maybe for every every five paying clients you get, you you offer you know some coaching to somebody that you know needs it and wants it, but just doesn't have the resources. Set an intentionality around those how around how that's going to look, so that you can be excited and thrilled when you're able to actually implement it rather than feeling like your time and your energy is being sucked and there's no end in sight. So those are kind of two experiences that I've done in my life that hopefully gets you to kind of think about your coaching business in a different way. I love, I love that you shared it. And this, this, I personally, I mean, it's part of pretty much every religion that I know that something, a version of tithing and charity and giving back because it's part of human community. Like we know that we're part of a whole, we know that everything is interconnected, no matter how big the world gets, it's gonna, it's part of your community. It's part of your world. And and uh, thank you for sharing. I don't promote this uh, a lot, but uh, for the past uh, nine years that I've done this, uh, pretty much every year I've had one or two clients that haven't paid me anything or they've paid me very little uh, because I recognize that they were they're actually going to do the work, but they're just they're not going to be in that position to get uh, that kind of support for the next few years. But this could completely transform them. And here's the interesting thing. Every time I've worked with them, they end up giving me a lot of referrals and I will get business anyway from that. So it's it, it's never and for, on the other side of my 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 fulfillment from a values and spiritual standpoint is huge because 
I feel like I'm uh, I'm feeling fulfilled in that area. The other thing is for coaches, and this is something I learned from Brandon Burchard, but he said that he's like, there are a lot of people that are going to get exposed to you. Most of them will probably not sign up for your business or programs. This is where your free content comes in. This is where a lot of the things that you share. I know a lot more people are looking at my content that they're working with me. And it's and so this is why I, I actually, the, my main motivation for, for my YouTube channel was to just uh, initially was uh, like, how can I, because I used to talk a lot. I know it doesn't <laughs> talk a lot now. Parker. This Please is my talk. outlet. This is my outlet. Sherry has to put up with this. But I used to talk a lot more in my sessions. And I'm like, I realized I needed an outlet. Plus, I was like, okay, the things that I spend a lot of time explaining, I can just make a video on it and send it to my clients. And then I realized like, well, okay, let's say I run into clients who can't afford it and they're not ready. I can just send them to my YouTube channel. Initially, I was sending them to other people's channels. But ideally, if you're a brand, you want to send them to your own channel as well. So this supports you. But they might not even align. Like, this is the other thing I've learned. I've sent people to like somebody like Brent Burchard or Alex. They don't relate with them at all. But they relate with my content a lot more. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to talk about this instead of sending them to that. So the people that are connected with you, they probably relate with you a lot more. So the the content that you're doing, I also look at part of my content as a way to reach more people, support people. And when they're ready and they move forward, then they will come back. Or if they don't come back to me, they go off and pay it forward somewhere else. It doesn't matter to me, but that's part of the whole thing. So really, and I love that you said intentionality matters a lot. Like, and and especially as you, as you grow in your own life, as you develop businesses or as you your family grows you're you're by the nature of how life is your resources your time is going to get limited um, i think it was alex Armozi who said that you either have time or money it's rare that you have both yes <laughs> so your time will get limited so you will you'll have a lot of leverage on your time because you could hire people you could delegate you could build systems around it so then decide who you want to help you can't help everyone in the world but you can help a set of people that would go out there and support other people. And like, why did our mission start? Like Brendan Burchard had a huge mission in supporting people. And he actually shared this in his certification. He's like, I can't go coach everybody. I can't even train everybody. And I actually took that very sincerely. He's like, you are, you're you're holding the baton here to serve more people with this. So go out there, do something with it. And I actually took that and I'm like, okay, okay. If we're holding the we're in the next part of the what is that race call where you you hand over the the thing a relay a relay like if we're holding this we better do this intentionally and we're carrying a responsibility forward too so that's yeah. part of also our mission as in coaching master community and with the coaches journey podcast to so also build this industry not just we're supporting the coaches individually but we're also helping build this industry that will serve a lot of people absolutely so you can do a recap sherry and then we'll end the podcast yes so to recap, the framework around, are you really working with your ideal clients? And for you to think that through to maybe make some tweaks and refinements is, does your client actually need what you have to offer? And if they do, do they actually recognize the need? And thirdly, do they have the resources to be able to pay for what it is that you're requiring or that, that, you, that you offer? And if they don't, and you still want to work with them, my suggestion is create a framework, create a structure around 
what your boundaries are in working with folks that you're choosing to do for a lesser amount or free. Create some boundaries around that. Or if you don't have boundaries, you, we all know what life without boundaries looks like. You know, it's, it's burnout, it's resentment, it's a whole lot of things that is not going to make you a good coach. So I hope that you can take these three steps, seriously apply them to what's going on right now, think it through, and it's okay to continue to make pivots and to shift. That's what business is. Business isn't coming up with one idea and running with that for 30 years. No, it's coming up with an idea, realizing you were off, making an adjustment, making an adjustment, making a pivot, making an adjustment, and just continuing to do that over and over and over again without it you know, crushing your soul because that's just the way it is. It's not that you're doing things wrong necessarily. That's just what good business does. It constantly pivots when things change, when information changes. So I hope this was helpful for you. And if you are aligned with this and you're like, yes, I am so ready to get my coaching business off to the next level, we would love to have a conversation to see if CMC is the right support for you right now. So we encourage you to get a hold of us, depending on where you're seeing this or where you're hearing this, get a hold of us, coachingmasterycommunity.com or any other, other, other socials and that sort of thing. And let's have a conversation. We would love to see if we are the right fit to help move you forward, collaborate, work with you to move you forward in your business. Yeah, and definitely share this with another coach. I know this uh, as a matter of fact that a majority of coaches don't think about these things. They recognize this, realize this much later. And uh, fortunately, uh, much later, like two years later into their career where they start to realize, oh, okay, now I understand what this looks like. But if, for example, if I was exposed to this, I would have thought about this very differently in the first two years of my business. So share this with a friend, with a colleague, with somebody you got certified with, somebody who you're working with, doing beta coaching with. Share this with them. It will serve them a lot. And please share your thoughts and insights with us here too. We look forward to seeing you on the other side, whether you join our free group or book a call with us. Look for the links below this. If you're on YouTube, if you don't find any links, if you're on the podcast, go to coachingmasterycommunity.com. You'll be able to get a, a hold of us. And we're excited to hear from you. Until then, hope you have an incredible day. You're listening to the Coach's Journey Podcast.